Hey everyone, welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin, uh, Season 2, Episode 22, where we're going to have uh, K.L. Martin, a.k.a. Codename Leon, on with us. So let's get him in the chat here and get going today. There we go. He's in here. Just getting him on. Howdy! Hello! How's it going, man? Hey, you know, living the dream. <laughs> I realize that that statement means a lot more than I used to say it. So living the dream means a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> and what does living the dream mean to you? Oh, uh, you know, I mean, I've, uh, I got no complaints. That's what it is, you know. Even, even though I'm at a point in my life where even the worst stuff that's happening yeah. uh, is not as bad as it could be. I guess that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, what, what's that uh, Cheech and Chong movie title? Things are tough all over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it always it could be infinitely worse, and it you know, um, I'm very lucky to, to to have some of the stuff that's happening to me recently happen. So that's really good. It can be, but also, um, you know, anything you're going through for anyone out there listening, you know is just as valid even if other people exactly very 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 important that people yeah. who are going through things to know that there's validity to I, I think some there's a lot of people who who kind of play this weird uh oh uh, well, i'm going through worse so i'm going through worse. no you're going through it you know as long as you make it through it that's important exactly and you know don't diminish what you're going through just because it's like oh well other people have it like way worse so it's like, yeah it's all our problems are about unless you're racist, and then unless you're racist, then your your, your problems don't. Yeah, they, yeah, I, your problems are your own. <laughs> your problems are all yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, some polarizing stuff happening lately all over the world. It is um, it's an interesting time uh to be alive in just about anything. It's a uh, um. You know, I give credit to people who have the ability to kind of persevere um, and, and get through this, especially artists. You know, the world's not exactly being very friendly to the whole artist community and the things that you do. Um, so I, I, I always give credit for people who are still out there, you know, doing their thing and, and making it happen. I think that's something that's uh, underappreciated in, in so many different ways on various in various ways. That that's absolutely a great point. Like you know, it's it's already hard enough being an artist for the most part because like you know many artists um, tend to get their creativity from you know um, difficult places. Sometimes most of the the creatives and artists I know um, have plenty of struggle already before all of the recent stuff has come up here. So. Thanks. Like it, 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 like it could, like when you think, oh man, it can't get any harder. And then you know, this last year, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like I've, um, I've gotten, uh, I work with a lot. I've worked with musicians and 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 other artists and, and a lot of filmmakers. And I mean, I've been very lucky to be able to kind of rode out COVID in a specific way. But uh, there's a lot of people who struggled hard. Musicians, I think, you know, people who depend on live music. Um, it's been hard. I, I give them credit. They're bouncing back. They're 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 doing what they can. But it's uh, it's it's been a rough go. 
you know, perseverance is everything. I mean, honestly, but it, it's been a rough go. I commend everybody who's still out there despite that year of basically nothing and still doing their thing. Absolutely. I guess this would be a good time to take an opportunity to introduce yourself to, um, you know, our listeners and, and friends out there. I, my name is Kale Martin. I'll explain where the KL came from at some point, but um, Kevin Martin, um, I am a uh, filmmaker, analog photographer, sometimes digital, but filmmaker, analog photographer, retired uh, professional athlete, and currently a New Jersey councilman. Um, I, I ran and became a politician. <sighs> I hate saying that, but uh, <laughs> just to see how it went. Um, and uh, I've been, and uh, I teach screenwriting. I'm a screenwriter. Um, so uh, I've been, I'm also a giant. I, I'm, I usually just put that out there for, for people who don't know me or have seen me in real life. So that's like my favorite thing. I love being a giant. So I just throw that out there. Well, you can't be too much of a politician yet because you don't have the, the collared shirt. With oh, the, man. The I the, the American flag pin. I'm the worst politician in the history of politicians. I, I'm just really bad at bullshitting people. I don't know how to filter. It's just weird. Like, if I don't say it verbally, you'll see it in my face. You, you know that face, like, like a dog who hears a weird sound. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, what am I? Why, why am I dealing? Why am I dealing with this? And I'll say it out loud. Like, why is this happening? Like, so. I, I struggle from that too, but it's mostly because, like being a Sagittarian. You know, mm -hmm. we're terrible with that kind of shit. So, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't like something, it's hard to hide it. It's it, nigh impossible to hide it. <laughs> I, I have I've dated a, a few Sagittarius women, and they do if they don't like it, you know, there's no oh, what did I do? No, I whatever I did, it's it's right over your face so we're, we're a fiery kind yeah. yes and sure. yeah it's it's interesting <laughs> you know, i never really prescribed a lot to like the astrological stuff uh before, mm -hmm. but it's just like some of it makes sense you know it's it's weird yeah it's it's one of those things where i'm like ah oh, this you know because like my attitude doesn't match my sign i'm told but i was raised by a family of cancers so like uh, 15 women they're just I was raised by but I'm a Pisces so that's where the art comes from creative you know creativity but my entire attitude is 100% the women uh, and, and, and men that raised me they were literally you know, all of them everyone so it's 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 a weird mix I, I, I'm a sensitive soul to a extent there are people who are probably watching this and know me and go sensitive soul because <laughs> they've heard me talk or they see how I bl how blunt I am and they go mm. um, but I'm also the same person who you know depending on the, so the song will tear up because he loves the song like you can play cold plays fix you and I will tear up <laughs> I mean who wouldn't technically so it's a, it's a good song you know it's um cancers are like Sagittarius kryptonite they're yeah. super dangerous yeah it's um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's quite interesting so I, I was curious though how has being a councilman um affected your your creative side at all like has it 
um, affected how you look at photography or how you look at filmmaking or even your screenwriting? I would say, you know, I think about of those three, it's probably affected the screenwriting a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, getting a view, I think I've said this to a bunch of people, getting a view behind the curtain is, uh, it gives you perspective. I'm really big on perspective. Like I've, I lived overseas more than I've lived in the United States. Some perspective as an American is different. So being a politician and seeing these things from behind the curtain have given me kind of a different feel. Yeah. Um, I would say artistically from a photography standpoint, it, it's made me appreciate the ability to do these things. Um, I mean, like from a local politician, it's a different thing. I mean, you're, you're more, you're not as scrutinized, but if you, depending on the size of the town, you're, you're more visible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't change your outlook of where you live and how you approach things. Um, I, I feel like if anything, realistically, especially from like a 35 millimeter or like 120 or Super 8, it's, it's actually made me really cherish that role of film. Okay. Like, you know, because, you know, I'll sit in a council meeting I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then I'll go out with my camera and take a bunch of pictures. You just see things differently because the things that aren't taken as seriously or as, as important to some people, um, you, when you're that essentially that suit for however long that might be, there's an appreciation for it, at least for me. Nice. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting when you learn how the sausage is made. Yes. Never look at sausage the same way again. Oh, it, you're, you know, this, you know, I have a one-year term. Um, I actually was asked today if I was going to run again. And um, once you realize, again, like you said, the, how the sausage is made, you're like, mm, I don't know if I'm a fan of hot dogs. You know what I mean? Like, eh. like <laughs> it's good to have that knowledge. Um, but realistically, what a person has to do to be this at another level, at the local level, a little different you can be this it's not that big of a deal but to go to that next level it's like i went through a semester of law school i realized i'm not a lawyer i i, I like to read that's basically what it is i just like to read and retain knowledge i am not a lawyer and as a politician i'm good at what is considered being a politician but the idea of getting to a level where this is something that i have to be all the time it's it's not it's not something I I, I one hundred percent would recommend for people. It's something that is valuable in in its own right. You know, you're an elected official. You know, no one. It is very hard for someone to question leadership. I won my position in a town of five thousand people by almost fifteen hundred votes. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to question someone's ability to lead situations under those circumstances. But um, realistically. Being a politician is a specific thing that for a person who is artistically inclined or maybe not necessarily inclined to understand the, the, the bureaucracy of it, you get to a point where you're like, ah, man, this is mm, not fun or this is, eh, I don't think it's worth the time. It's, it's for a specific group of people that are willing to be that person. I, I would agree. So I, I haven't had any experience being a politician, but um, I did work as a public servant for a few years and realized that um, public servitude in government is just not 
for me. Um, you know, it's great for a lot of people that love getting the, the golden pension and um, being petty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, towing the line and not rocking the boat. But, um, you know, if doing the job to the best of your abilities and you know, being held accountable and yeah. being responsible or, or your kind of jam, then maybe being a public servant isn't for you. <laughs> Probably not. Probably it's it's one of those things like actually one of the things that I'm going through now, I was um I I, I left to I had a, about a month before I left, I, you know, I alerted people I was leaving. I went out, I had my engagement photos, I'm getting married. Yeah. And, I saw your road trip looks like it's been helpful. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was it was I lived out in Vegas for a long time. I got to see my best friends for the first time in five years. It I'd been that busy. I hadn't seen my two of my three best friends live in Las Vegas, the other one lives in Florida. I have not seen the two of them in five years. It's, it's, that's crazy. And I got my engagement photo stuff and a myriad of other stuff. It was really, really rewarding. And in my town, I, I, so I had to, you know, you're allowed to miss one meeting or two meetings rather. And by the time I came back, everyone's like, oh my God, you missed a meeting. And I go, Wait, what? What happened? And they're there. It's a small group of people. It's like seven people, but they're like, "Oh, I, I would schedule my vacation around the town meetings." I'm like, "I am not going to not. No, there's no way that's happening." And it's just, it was, it was a, it was a very weird thing where there's a pettiness because when you have nothing to complain about, we gotta make something up. And I was like, God, I think the best part is as they react on Facebook, as most people do these days, um, they were like, I was asked, hey, how do you feel about this? And I was I'm like, oh, my personal life is nobody's business, so I don't care. And at that point, they couldn't say anything. But that's what you walk into as a politician. It's a very weird thing where, especially, if you're, you know, most local levels, you're not paid to do it. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people who think that they're obligated to understand what you do. I'm really bad at hide, mincing my words. Like I'm terrible at it. Like it's like, I'm too blunt for my own good. I've gotten myself into good situations, but also terrible situations because I can't be like, shut up, Kevin. So I'm like, mm, nope, none of your business. I don't care. Uh, and it's gotten me far, but also it pisses people off, which kind of is a cool thing for me. You just you reminded me of a, a meme. I've seen it a couple times, but I just saw it again recently. Where it's just like um, vacation in Europe. It's like I'm gonna be away camping till September. Um, please send an email, and I'll get back to you when I return months yep. from now. And then it's yep. like in the U.S., it's like I'm going for kidney surgery, um, but you know I'll have my phone with me, so <laughs> free to email anytime. Or like, exactly. It's like like I. As a per as living overseas for 14 years, I explained to cousins of mine the difference between American vacation and European holiday. <laughs> Going on holiday is you're gone. They're not picking up anything. This is what they do. That's it. Vacation, you're expected. I promise you, when, when we left New Jersey, I picked up my, I only answered people in Las Vegas at the time. Like if you were not my mother or my grandmother or one of my cousins, you weren't here for me. And and it's because I really don't, I, I work, I really bust my ass on a lot of stuff that I do. So I don't get to ever actually kick back and not just be doing something. Um, but yeah, that meme is, it's a perfect, you know, all encompassing thing of, oh, well, you're supposed to work on your vacation. 
Nah, mm -mm. I lived overseas for too long. I appreciate my space too much. <laughs> yeah, like it's um, it's something that we like. We have similar problems in Canada with that as well, too, where it's just like, you know, some employers tend to encroach a little bit more in personal time than than they should. And um, like it was while like several years years back, there was like laws put in where it's like employers can be like fined for harassing employees out of work hours and stuff. Um, which is wild to me because like for several years, I, I work in IT um, as an administrator and um, architect and stuff. And so I was like <laughs> attached to like an on-call phone for like a huge, like probably a quarter of the time I've existed, I've been like attached to an on-call phone where it's just like, can't get drunk, can't go do like certain things. Cause you yeah. know, like, you know, lump on you and uh that it, it just really kind of affects your, your sort of quality of life and um creativity as well too like you know when all that was going on i wasn't a very creative person so yeah it 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 it, it un unknowingly to a lot of people like i mean i've been able to balance it and it's been great but also i'm really good at prioritizing things that are important to me especially like like i'm very happy to have ran and won but also, I really love the things that I do. And I just happen to get paid for a bunch of them. So I take those things super seriously. So I'm like, mm, these are my priorities. And like, they're, they're like, oh, you should always know. Mm -mm. My sanity, my, the best thing that ever happened to me at 24, 25 was an appreciation for the mental health of, of things. Mm. I will not go crazy in the name of something or someone um for the sake of them being able to profit off of what i'm doing or whatever it's it was something that was crazy to think about at the time but now people are like oh mental health is something i promise you my mental health and and my relationship are very important and they kind of go hand in hand with all the art i do a lot of music i do a lot of film i do a lot of dirt, you know photography and those things mean the world to me um and uh I, it takes a lot for me to get there and go, mm, I'm not going to do this because somebody, no, I just, I don't know where it came from. I, I hope I can convey that to my, you know, my child eventually, <laughs> but it, it's something I'm very happy that became a valuable thing. I think it's from living overseas and, and, and living in, in these countries where you, you have a different perspective and you find the things that are valuable to you. I think that's important. Well, yeah, like it, time, time is the most valuable thing we have and most of us squander it like at work or like all, all these other things. And it's just like, it doesn't matter how rich you can become, no matter what you have, you can't buy more time. Like you, exactly. you have the time that's been given to you and you don't even know how much of it there is. Like it's, I, it's a weird thing. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think like I, I've told a bunch of my friends, one of my biggest pet peeves for a lot of the people that I know is I don't believe someone should do what I understand people have no choice, but I don't think anyone should spend their life doing something they hate yeah. for the rest of their life. You don't want to, I don't want you to be 70 years old and go, damn, now I'm finally starting to get it. Like, I, I hate that. Like, if, if someone has a talent, I have a lot of friends, actors, artists, I'll do whatever. If I'm ahead of them and or I'm next to them, I'm going to pull them with me because, like, you should not work at an Amazon warehouse 
until you hate your life long enough to just be happy to get you know, a pat on the back when you're 60. I, I feel like no one should do that anymore. I, I agree like a million percent with that. And like, I've always kind of wondered like, you know, how different would things be if, if governments gave people money where they don't have to like go languish in, in these jobs just to survive. Um, you know, how much better would that actually end up being for the economy? Because, you know, instead of having someone dying at Starbucks just to pay rent and pay their bills and like all that stuff, you know, if there was a living wage, like people would still do those jobs because like there would be some people that really enjoy that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. what would happen if the people that have these brilliant ideas and like, you know, all this like um, creativity that is just locked up because they're trapped somewhere like how different would it be if they had the runway to run with those ideas or create the things that are in their mind that they just maybe don't have the energy to do after they've done like a 10 or 12 hour shift somewhere and exactly and it's like um whenever i see somebody you know there, there are a lot of people who are working dead in jobs and they do these things and, and and the thing is they're taught that this is the way it's supposed to be and i'm like that's 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 it, it's actually happening on a smaller level here where people are realizing they're like oh people are working from home and there's this thought process that people have to work under you know under the gun in an office in order to do things and get things done that's not the case there are people who are like man i'm doing really well at home and i'm with my child you know, but also I'm still being creative because I'm in my house, but their productivity hasn't lost. And there's a lot of companies that are trying to make it seem like, oh, well, that's an anomaly. It's like, no, there are people who like being able to be in a comfortable environment while they don't have to worry about finding babysitters or be able to do their artistic endeavors, which makes them relax. And, you know, you're a painter, but you're working logistics. You can still do those things at your house and you're not losing productivity yeah. and fulfilling your speech it makes your life happier knowing you're at least attempting to fulfill the thing that you are probably more destined to do than being the it manager of a telemarketing company you know and, and it's weird that 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 has to be explained to people that's common to me well it is weird but it it's also part of the societal construct that we've we've sort of grown up in and we've all adopted and accepted is like the the norm where you know this is just how it works you get a job you try to get a mortgage you meet someone you do the family thing and like that's just how life is yeah. and that's not everyone's truth that doesn't work for everyone and it's being proven more and more that you know that is really not the the norm for a lot of people exactly but i think that that like the work from home thing um, it's more of a control because you, know, you have all of these micromanagers and all this level of administration in organizations that if people aren't in a place where they need to be organized all the time, why do you need so many managers? Exactly. You know, so now these managers are like, oh my God, I need people to get into offices again so I can like, you know, sell my existence because if I'm not managing people, then what do I do to exist? And the, the thing that's shitty with, with managers like that, and I've experienced it myself, and um, I was just talking to a friend the other day who is going, they're, they're going through something similar to this, is managers like that, team leaders like that will 
come across talented people that pour themselves into their work and they'll see that and they'll take advantage of it. And then they will gaslight the shit out of you to keep you in that spot. You make them look good. And so they will never advance you. They'll never give you a promotion. They'll never give you a leg up. They will just keep their finger on you and give you enough of a carrot that you'll like stick around and make them look good. And then they'll always put doubt in your mind that, you know, well, you're not advancing because you're just not trying hard enough. So put more of yourself into it. And that's an even more devastating thing because you're putting so much more energy into a place that isn't giving anything to you at all. You're giving all of yourself to them and then you have nothing left for you. And then you just end up feeling like you're a shitty employee or you're not good enough. And like, these are things that, um, you know, drive depression and, you know, drive like just terrible, terrible feelings. And creatives, I know like most of my creative friends, the bulk of us struggle with depression and other yep. things. And so it's just like, if you have that as your primary source to like just live and survive, and then they're feeding you all of this like shitty information is just making you feel even worse that just like locks you down even more and it's just like it's insidious like it's such an evil evil fucking thing and i really hope like a takeaway from the collective experience we had through this pandemic is that this system just is complete like not even garbage yeah well like to say it's fundamentally broken isn't a strong enough thing like yeah yeah that's that's undercutting bad. Yeah. And and you know, it's it's exposed that like we need a living wage. We we need more support so that um we can all flourish because you know, this whole but but the economy, but this, and it's like, well, you know, the economy was doing just fine. Like look at how many billionaires became even bigger billionaires over um you know the whole pandemic. Yep. Meanwhile, the rest of us, um how many bankruptcies are happening from this? How many people ended up becoming homeless? Homeless and, and, and um, the yeah. mortgages and, and all these things. It just, it's, it's, it's hard from an artist standpoint, as a person who prides himself on knowing, I think the thing is I wanted to learn the business side of things simply because I wanted to be able to find a specific way to be able to do both while not being sucked into what you're explaining. Like, you know, these guys who just kind of gaslight you and tell you these things. And I've, like, I, I've always situated myself in a, in a way where I learned at a young age uh, that this is not the way people, no one should be depressed trying to do the things they want to do. Like if they're good, or even if they're not good, everyone deserves that shot and, yeah. and not be told something just for the sake of, you know, making someone else look good but that's the problem the problem is you have more people who are selfish instead of selfless so they don't realize how they affect people by bullshitting them and then while you might the worst thing is fine if you're gonna bullshit someone at least i hope you're advancing because right now you're stepping on some poor person's neck and if you don't you just wasted your time and theirs. so now you might be fine but that person who who propped you up yeah they're fucked and there's a lot of people who, who who don't understand that. It's it's it feels like common sense to me. It always feels like common sense to me. But common sense is not common. So it's like, I'm like, I know one plus one is two. 
I'm sure of it. Like, I, I, I was taught this. And somebody says, no, it's Apple. And I'm like, I don't even know how you got there. Like, explain this to me. And all they want to do is try to keep you at a certain point. And I know there are people who are not artistically inclined. I get that. And, and I've recognized that there are more people who have issues with artists simply because they don't know how to do it. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Like, if you're a good painter, just because you can't paint doesn't mean your job is to take that person down a peg. If anything, you should find your way in this world. And it's not meant for you to just work yourself to the point of breaking your body down and then looking back going, damn, did I just really give up all of this for, you know, 60 years and a pat, uh, 20, 30 years and a pat on the back? Yeah, like, exactly. No one's going to get a gold watch anymore. No, it's like, a gold Maybe video at best. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're they're avoiding they're avoiding giving any, they don't even want to cover you anymore. Like it's 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 getting crazier where it's like making it hard for you to have a living wage or have Medicare or have the like you know universal health care down here is automatically a bad word. But I'm like, but you don't under, you, you you don't want people to suffer, but you don't want to pay. It's it just it's a it's almost oxymoronic. Um, but it's, and, don't you're, you're being communist. Don't don't be a communist. Exactly. Even right though, here. even though technically speaking, uh, and I always laugh. I think this is like my favorite thing to do with people who who talk about. Oh well, that's socialist. So kind of, I'm like, okay. So you're a capitalist. I'm like, no one. I always say nobody wants to be a real capitalist. A no. Real is doggy dog. You you know there is no social security. There is no someone saving the money for you, so you're okay. There is no one 401k. You get paid. If you don't save it by the time you're 60, you're, you're on your own. You need to work till you die, or you were smart enough to invest on your own. And people don't realize that. Uh, I, I rarely get into political arguments with people. And I remember this one guy is like, oh, well, I don't want to be socialist. I'm like, but you already are. You, know? <laughs> you already are. You're, yeah. you're, well, your car is registered, right? You know, there's a system for that. Uh, you you have taxes that come out that go into your into a social security fund for you to be prepared when you're done. If and they're like, well, that's not the same thing. That's a, that's exactly the same thing. Someone's taking care of you because they don't believe you can take care of yourself. Exactly. So how are you? What do you what do you expect to happen here? Like if that's the case, they should just pay you everything, take out the taxes they need to. If you're 65 and you don't save all your thing and you're broke. That's capitalism. Good luck. Exactly. Like that, that's capitalism. So it, it, it's funny because like, you know, in, in Canada and in the States, like, you know, there's a lot of socialist underpinnings, but it, they're just vilifying it now. Like, you know, I don't understand where this bridge between communism and socialism has come into play. And, you know, they're, they're very different things. Um, but one, one thing you mentioned earlier about propping people up, um, was was an interesting it just it made me think of an old boss i had um when i got my first tech job um in silicon valley it was a really weird experience because like i didn't actually like interview for it or anything like i got a phone call from this dude and we talked for like two hours and it was just mostly like he asked about like hobbies and family and things like that and um it was just strange because like we talked for two and a half hours he's like yo you know what like 
I think you'll be a good fit, but I, it's not up to me. Like I'm, I'm not the decider. And then I ended up getting the job and I ran into him a couple months after when I was at the, the office in Silicon Valley. And I was just like, Hey, like, I'm just curious. Like when we talked, you didn't ask like, you know, what I can do or like, you know, what my work history has been or anything. Like you, you just asked a lot of personal stuff. And when you talked about your family and you tried to like get me to talk about my family and he's just like, well, yeah, we were having a conversation. I'm like, yeah, I know. We're, and he's like, no, no, you don't understand. He's like, you've reached a certain point in your life where we were in a circle where we ended up having a conversation. So he's like, if you were not capable of what I needed you to do, you would have never entered that circle. Sure. So we were having a conversation. So just by the very fact we were talking meant you could do what I needed you to do. He's like, I just needed to figure out if you're an asshole or not. Basically. <laughs> I was just like, that's literally... Like, I will tell you right now, as a filmmaker, um, even the photo shoots that I've done, as a filmmaker, as a screenwriter, I've gotten a lot of gigs simply because they were like, ah, Kevin's super, super fucking honest, but he's not nasty. So, like, I'll have a conversation, and I've just, once you've entered their circle, they just want to make sure. Now it's like, okay, like, I get a lot of rewrite stuff. I get a lot of uh, book adaptations and stuff like that. And yeah. It'll be like them going, all right, we've had two, three strangers rewrite this. Hey, Kevin, we'll pay you to rewrite this because we know we'll, you'll nail it. And these are people I've met simply because they were like, oh, Kevin's not an asshole, and he's straightforward. He's a straight shooter in that sense. And that's what it is. You've gotten to a level with these people where, like, okay, I'm, I'm even talking to you. Like, this is me. We're having an act. Real yeah. life, maybe, and I'm having that conversation. But you've gotten to a level where this is a worthy conversation that could happen at any point in time. And they will just make sure, all right, can we work with them? Cool. You got the job. And and then that's that's a thing. That's a real thing. Well, and it was interesting, too, because, like, he elaborated on it, and he had this, like, this vision that he called it like the no asshole clause. And so for the organization he was trying to build, the idea was he didn't want to have any assholes inside of it. And then he, he's like, instead of calling it assholes, let's, let's call it a players. He's like, I want to have all a players because a players know what they're capable of. They know what they're not capable of. They know that, you know, it, it's not a bad thing to say, Hey, I need some help or help prop up another person that's working on another thing. Because if you're all A players and, and you know what your lane is, there's no fear of being threatened where it's just like, oh, if I help this person out, that's going to make me look bad. So I'm, they're struggling. I'm going to push them down so I can look better. So and like A players all work together. But the moment you get one B player in the mix, the shit starts hitting the fan because that yep. person immediately feels threatened by everyone else. And so they're going to try and attract lesser people than them and then you just have this cascading fucking chain of assholes that ruins everything yep that's the problem we have in our world right now is we have a cascading chain of assholes that's the thing that's it happens in sports some of the players i've ever been a part of the teams i've won championships with have been knowing your role i had a coach in college name's dave balls i went to florida golf coast and he used to hand out a two, three-page paper, and say, this is what you're meant to do on this team. If you do these things really well, we will win, and you will do better for it. And I remember mine to a T. I was supposed to average 10 points. My goal is to always have over 12 rebounds 
and I was supposed to use all of my fouls every game and and, and block at least three. He's like, I don't need you to score 30 points. That's not what you're here for. You're here to play defense and rebound. When I need you to do more, I will tell you to do more. But mostly, I need you to fit and be a, a, a cog in this machine. And we got to the end of the tournament, uh, tournament and uh, it was the, the first – it was the first year they actually got to it because everyone knew their role. And you had a bunch of A players that were like, okay, this is your job. I'm going to help you do your job to the best of your ability. If you're a scorer, my job is to protect you. If you're a rebounder, my job is to help you rebound even more. And the problem is there's not enough A players around. There's a lot of people who are just constant threatened. Yeah. But, like, I teach screenwriting. I will tell you right now, my goal is to bring, I have a class of eight, maybe 10. My goal is to make 10 new professional screenwriters that they can get in there and do something that is different from what I'm doing. I don't care if they take jobs from me. I've been in the game long enough where I know I will consistently get work. My job is to make sure that they are very good at what they do. Because honestly, it looks good when they look good for me. Yeah, exactly. Because that that's, if you're helping create and foster success, then that's just naturally going to be success for you too. And, you know, photography a little bit, that's one of the sort of dark, shameful things I hate about the photography community is there is a bit of, there's a lot of gatekeeping in it or in like this elitism and stuff like that. Um, Especially when like, you know, newbies are getting into film and stuff. And it's just like, you know, why? Why do that? And I, I'll, I'll never understand it. Like, I've quietly been doing it for a long time. And then when I started doing more of it, it which is a, more of a reflection of the people I have in my life now, whereas I was quietly doing it and the person, you know, the people around me thought it was like a cool thing, but didn't really take it seriously. And I have a group of people in my life, my fiance specifically, who think it's like the greatest thing in the world. And they, they push me to do it and keep getting better. And I will always do that for the same for the people, especially for film photography, because everything old is new now. So there aren't a ton of people who have the patience to be a film photographer. There's a, there aren't a people, they just want to be able to click on their phone and you show them that love. But I love helping create those things. And I've wanted some, some gatekeepers. And, uh, you know, there are people who have asked, uh, uh, you know, I won't even call them out. Uh, he, a good friend of mine, he's out in Cali fantastic photographer, film photographer, um, Polaroider as well. But when people ask him questions, he's like not willing to give them because he thinks they're going to take his place. I'm like, you've been doing this 10 to 15 years longer than I have. No one's going to take your place. You're already doing this. You have gallery shows. You have all these things. You're doing fine. Yeah. For me, I'll have them like, they'll ask me the same questions. And he asked me, he's like, why are you just giving away that information? I said, because it, it, it's a value to everybody. It's not like they can't go looking for it, but they happen to ask me. I'm going to tell them, especially for the Polaroid stuff. Like, I I love 35 millimeter. I love Super 8, and I love Polaroids. And explaining to them, you know, certain type of Polaroids, the old school ones, the new stuff, and why I like this or don't, that's information I'm willing to, to talk to them about because why should I upend somebody? They're not going to take my spot. They might make their own spot. Most people who do 35 millimeter or Super 8, or Polaroid, ha- end up having their own lane all the time. It- it's not like they're going to do the exact same thing. There's one, there's uh, uh, Lou Polaroids. He actually lives in town next to me. He reached out to me. 
and we take similar pictures. But now he's starting to kind of find his own aesthetic, his own style. I think he joined in on here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's aesthetic in his own style, and you can tell. And I love watching that. I love watching someone take that 35 millimeter or that Super 8 and, and that Polaroid and be able to be like, I think I like this. And that's great. I'm here to encourage that. You're not taking my spot. You're going to be right next to me. That's what I, I want that. I don't want to be the only Polaroid around me. I don't want to be the only Super 8 person around me. You know, because that's kind of a big thing out here. And on the East Coast, there's not a ton, I mean, the aesthetic is a big thing, but there's not a ton of people who are willing to, to have the time and the patience. They just want to, like digitally, if I'm filmmaking, you know, I do a lot of digital, but Super 8, Super 16, 16, stuff like that. I love that. I have the patience for it. And other people who have the patience for it works for everybody, you know? And, and people don't see that. People just see people as, oh, they're trying to take my spot. There's room for everyone at this table. Absolutely. And well, and the thing too is like, just because you share some knowledge with someone doesn't mean that they're going to immediately like be able to do what you do. Like there will always be biters and people trying to like, you know, hone in on a style, but no one's ever going to be able to do exactly what you do because they don't see the way that you do. They don't, you know, create the way that you do. So it, if you share it, it, it doesn't even matter. Like it's, I always think of recipes just because you could go buy a Gordon Ramsay cookbook and see the recipe that Gordon Ramsay cooks. doesn't mean you're going to make a Gordon Ramsay level of fucking it, meal. It may not, <laughs> it may not even taste the same. It might taste really good, but it may not taste anything like his. And exactly. the thing is, you'll never know the taste difference, but someone might think, wow, this is really good. That might, that's your version of this. And Everyone has their own recipe. Everyone has their own thing. Like, I jokingly said to my fiance a couple of weeks ago, like, I have a bunch of digital photographers that are around me, and now they've gotten into film. And I know it's a direct correlation to the fact that, you know, I go through, I know how to fix these cameras. I know how to refurbish them. I know how to do other things. And I've, I'm more inspired that they see my stuff. And sure, they can, they can bite on it, but the fact is I've made four or five new film photographers. This is not such a, a, a singular thing anymore. It's not just me in the circle. Now all of a sudden we're talking to each other. We're asking each other about disposables and, and old school, like the Yashica Flex is like 60 years old that I carry around and all. I love that because now I'm not talking to myself. Exactly. We all talk, we all shoot differently. We all shoot things differently. We shoot at different times. Some people like golden hour. Some people like portraits. Um, the thing is, is that now we have that conversation. And I always joke, I'm like, well, you know, they'll, they'll, they totally bit off me. But the thing is, I have seven new people who are now having a conversation with me about things that they don't know. And I'm here for it. And people don't see that. People just see it. And, and it's a competitiveness as you, you know. But if I can turn my competitiveness into something that's supportive after playing professional basketball, D1 basketball, and know that, you know what, being competitive is cool, but how about building a community? Like, you know, I, I'm not here to trip someone, so I'm the only one standing. That's not fun for me. That doesn't make this cool for me, like to, to be like the only man standing in the film photography for 20 miles in any direction. No, I want a community. I want to be able to be like some of these, or like in Austin or up in, 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 hell, in Vancouver and those places where people are like, this is what we do. 
you're in it, you're in it, you know? And, and some people don't get that. Most people don't get that. That's the thing that kind of makes me sad sometimes. Well, yeah, like you, you just planted seven new photographers here. And now those are seven more people that are going to go out there and they're going to learn shit that you didn't even know about. And when you guys are talking, you know. Don't tell me something new. Like I just got back into, you know, developing my own film. I really just want to get back into um, processing Super 8. And once I have more space, I'll be able to do so. But they're telling me new things. I'm like, damn, I didn't even think about that. Or damn, I didn't know that. I love that shit. I love that shit. I love when someone tells me something. I've been doing 35 millimeter and 120 for a long time. And I learned something new from them. He's like, well, I, you know, double exposure. Like, I don't do double exposure well. I've got better double exposure simply because of two or three people that are in this area that learned one to get into film photography because of me. Full circle. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing double exposure and feeling comfortable with it. It's an amazing feeling. It really is. Yeah, I, I had an interesting experience yesterday. So uh, Big Head Taco um, was in my hood. And uh, he was like, hey, you working? Grab your camera. Let's go. And so we went for a walk around, around my hood. And he took me to meet this guy, a friend of his, um, who turned out to be like, old homies with Fred Herzog back in the day before he, he passed. Oh, I saw the, the story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the story there. Um, but this guy, I, I was showing him how Instagram works yesterday. <laughs> it was it was kind of interesting, like talking to a dude who's been like shooting for like decades. And his, his work is incredible. Like um, he gave me because I gave him a polar, I, I gave him a pack film portrait. He gave me this, this book called big stories, which is, is fascinating. Cause it's given me some ideas for like future books too, where he like, he paired writing with, with his photos. Cause he's a writer and a photographer. So. That's, that's literally, and, and to, to kind of make this full circle. So like when I saw your book come out and I'm a writer, I started working on my book, which kind of pairs my writing to my photography. And I took a lot of Polaroids the during the last year. Nice. Yeah, that one, where did I put it? I'll be putting that for pre-order here at some point. And the thing is that I knew I wanted to, and I was like, okay, I just got to find the time, blah, blah, blah. And then you put you like, you know, your book, and I'm like, hell yeah. And that inspired the absolute fuck out of me and then i was like all right so i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna write you know this around my polaroids i, I had the vision and that's based off of what you, you didn't even realize it you didn't realize you inspired me to push me to that point where i was like i'm gonna do this and now it's gonna be coming out in september and that's 100 percent based off of me seeing you go oh so i got this book out and i'm like why am i so excited for this man this is awesome <laughs> So that was like, hey, Damn. I should do the same thing because I have these ideas. But and that is one hundred percent because of you, one hundred percent. You're gonna like you're making me misty here. <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it, uh. I tell you that it was like when I saw you, I'm like, I have ideas, and I watched you, you know, to talk about it and go. I'm like, you know what? I think I should try that. I think I have some ideas. I want to compare the writing, and then you just showed me that book, and I go. That's literally my feelings on what I wanted to do. I want to be able to tell a story through all. I, I took well over 200 Polaroids, maybe more, during that pandemic of my town and the town that, in a year, 
last year was probably the last real year where the town could be the way it is. Uh, the pandemic shut the town down and it was basically all locals. But the town has been slowly becoming more discovered because it's it's across from a very popular beach and it has beaches of its own. Okay. So the 100 year history of this town is going to change the, the whole thing. The, the families who've been here for the entirety of its existence. And now the pandemic has sped up the change that they were worried about coming that was going to push people out. So now last year was the first time for all these people where it was like i think genuinely it was the last time the town really is going to be the town that these people have known their entire lives um and it was it was more it was it, it i kind of liken it to a funeral and a rebirth the town as it was they hid it for a long time no longer exists but this is your last chance to be that town. And the locals really got a lot closer, but they also accepted that the town that they see now isn't going to be the same way after this. Well, and, I think like in, in a broader scale too, that same sentiment can be applied to the world. Yep. The, the world we knew at the start of 2020 is, is never coming back. Never, never coming back. That world in January is is gone that the world anywhere before january new year's day none of us saw that coming no none of us could have imagined i could not you could not bet any amount of money anything that the world that i knew in 2019 was going to be the world that it is now in 2021 just an absolute floored movie-like i would say yeah, like, <laughs> movie-like is interesting because I was just like, apocalypse movies really lied to us. Like, you know, the, the apocalypse is actually taking so much longer than it does. It's, it's just drawn out, guys. This is an instant, like, this is a day-to-day thing. Like, you look up, and it's February, and you look up, it's May, and I'm like, holy crap, this is still happening. Like, it's, it was a weird time. The last, I'm, I have not left the country in like two or three years, like my home away from home is Vienna, Austria. Like that's, I have godchildren, I have people that I consider my family, brothers, sisters, mother, father, I love them all. And I haven't been able to do anything to see them. And last year was the first time real world issues affected me in a real world way. Yeah. Like I couldn't go anywhere. Like I was locked in. Um, the benefit of that is, let me tell you, as a person who's getting married, you learn that, you know, I, you either learn that you don't like your, your significant other or that best friend. <laughs> you literally, you come out of this in a relationship and you're good, that is the person you should, like Jessica's like my best friend in the entire world. And we were trapped in a house with each other and didn't, it never even came to the point of wanting to like, oh, I can't stand you. It was like always laughter and we were there for each other. And that is something that, you know, I appreciate. But that world beforehand would have never pushed us to the point of being like, that's what it is. Maybe it would have eventually, but it, it, it it's not the same thing. Well, I mean, it's interesting you make that point too, because like, I think there's a lot of things that we're seeing movement on now that I don't think we ever would have had it not been for the pandemic, most, most namely like the, the race issues. 
Yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I don't think there would have been as large of a reaction in response to what happened to George Floyd had we not all been stuck at home. 100%. I think it would have been a passing news cycle that would have came and went. Yeah. People would have been mad, but it would have been forgotten about. Or not forgotten about so much, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal because we well, be would have been static because, like, you know, if we were all sitting in bars and hanging yeah. out with our pals and doing it, it would just be because it, it's become it's a normal, uh, like, it's a normalcy there. So it's it, like oh, another school shooting, 10 kids. Which is morbid, which is so morbid where we are just numb to things that shouldn't be happening on a regular basis. Right. So, people being shot by police. It's we, We've become so numb to the idea that this is what, this is normal. This is not normal. It's not normal. And I think as much as people who who think the pandemic was awful, the good that came out of that, the fact that there was millions upon millions of eyes, it's very hard to do bullshit when there's millions and millions of eyes on you consistently. And there's a lot of places that got away with everything simply because they there were eyes on them for a second and then something shiny would come up out of nowhere and they would forget about it. But suddenly, there was no production. There was no film. There was not much TV. There was no reality TV to speak of. All of a sudden, the news is the only thing that's reality. And you're looking at these things, you're going, wait a minute. This guy, he, he was on his neck for nine Why would you even do it? And suddenly, people are like, wait, has this been happening forever? And I'm there going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has been going on for quite a long time. Like, I've told more because I'll do like I write for a bunch of comedians, and sometimes to practice the stuff I'm writing, I'll get on stage and do it myself. And I tell people, I can tell you every spot in New York City where I've been stopped and frisked, and from the age of 14 to the age of 19, I can tell you everywhere I was. Or 19 was the year they they basically stopped it because I'm like this was I was going through tame versions of what was happening to people on a regular basis, and now people are noticing. So like. I went to my first real in-country protest. Cause I've been to a couple out of country, but I went to a protest and, and my fiance, who's white, came with me and was chanting just as hard as I was. And even talking about it now, I can get misty because it's like the world sees this now. They see it, they hear it, they know the things that I have to sit and think about on a regular basis. Like even things like I have a Super 8. I have to be very mindful of that Super 8 because it opens up and has a trigger and it holds like this. I have to think like that. And yeah. I, she, she's she gotten to the point where now she thinks like that too. Be mindful of this, be mindful of that. And I remember like right when we first started dating, she was like, you have to think like this all the time. I'm like, I do. Like, I have to be so mindful of my surroundings or how I say things or what I do. But the consequences for me have never been crazy consequences for uh, any of you know Tamir Price and all those guys have been death. So I was just very happy to see the world have to. They're in a house. You're paying attention now, and people are in. It, it gave me hope. It gave me hope that there are people out there who go, "Oh wait, this is unacceptable." I'm like, you know what? Absolutely, this is this is fucking unacceptable. And people came out in droves. There were people that I wouldn't have expected to be out there. Um, I I know some photographers who I'd never even had many conversations with out there 
and chronicling this. And I was just happy. I was happy to see, because you really only see like during the civil rights, you see black and white photos of Martin Luther King, stuff like that. But we're watching civil disobedience. And now there's records of this. There's, there's, a, there's people who have seen it in every which way, digital film. It could be a goddamn smoke signal. Everyone saw it, and it was it was a wonderful feeling to know that 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 part of the world is paying attention. Yeah, um, and I and and so far it looks like it's staying that way, and I hope it does. I, I really hope it does. Yeah, like I, this isn't something that they can put back now. Yeah, you can't. The genie's not going back in the in the lamp. It's this. Exactly. Yeah, you. you. Just the same thing with like with Trump's rhetoric when he made um, you know hate great again and no. made it cool to be a racist. I was like, this is going to be a really fucking interesting Pandora's box that he's opened up here, where all these assholes are coming out being racist fucks, thinking it's cool because this yeah. like fucking orange cheesehead is yep. on a world stage. And, and, and is is that as I said to people, there are people who used to say this in their house. Fine, say it in your house. Yeah, we've accepted. We can't change how you are in your house. All of a sudden, this man made it clear that they could say it out loud, and that was terrifying. I mean, I get away with a lot simply because there's a lot of people at six eleven. The approach to me is different. I don't get the overt racism. I get what I've coined and literally said on stage hundred times. I get what is either subtle racism or auction block racism. You know, like I get the racism where it's like, wow, you're a big guy. Like little things that they're not going to say to me in a bad way because they don't know what kind of person I am. Yeah. But there are people who are normal size and don't have that fear. And these people are just saying whatever the hell they want. And it is, and it was made to be okay. And I think last year was really the first time where I was like, someone would say something. I'm like, no. Absolutely fucking not. And they were like, oh, my God, Kevin. I'm like, no, this isn't okay. This is not okay. And that has to happen more. And I think the world kind of spoke up to that. And it was a fantastic feeling. It was a fantastic feeling. But it was also a terrifying feeling. Because I have, you know, I have a lot of friends between the UK and Austria and Germany. And having them call me, South Korea too, call me and say, hey, Kevin, you want to come here? Before they close the board, you want, you want to be on my couch? Like, we'll find you a place. We'll do whatever. And I'm like, I'm sad that you have to see this. But also, I'm happy that you know that you're like, let's reach out. And uh, my perspective as an American has always been skewed more European because of, of what I've experienced and me looking at my country from the outside looking in. So all these things I would see, I've been seeing for years. The pandemic last year made it more prevalent now you can't see you can't unsee it this is happening this is in the white house now i think the white house was the first this was the first time that federally something up here was actually bothering my life down here absolutely yeah usually it's just all right they just throw shit at each other and then new guy comes in and they throw shit at each other but this is the first time they threw shit at each other and i'm getting hit with it I'm like wait hold on what the hell is happening and I think the pandemic for what it was, as bad as it was for the, the death that it caused, there was a bright side to it. People who see this is not acceptable. And I love it. I love it. It makes me proud to to be a part of the situation. 
I, I agree too. And it, it's interesting because like it, it steeps in, in all areas of our life. Like I'm part of a, a small group of people of color um, inside of my company that are um, fighting against our corporate culture because um, they were they were trying to do some what what is the racial equity training to like you know everyone uh, above board and all that and um, you could tell that it was written specifically to make white people comfortable and get like the the check mark of like yeah. there we did it we had a conversation As and you're cool exactly. And there, there was like four of us that we all had different sessions and these sessions happen all over the world because I work for a global company and the four of us got to talking with each other and we were, we were like, we were in four different sessions with like different trainers and all that. And we all left angry and we were like, this can't be isolated to just us. And what was alarming to us is like, we were the ones that stood up while these conversations were were um, happening, which were being whitewashed, where <clears throat> things were being said that the trainers were supporting that were problematic. And had they not been questioned, people would have just been like, oh, yeah, this is my new nugget of information I learned to be like a racial ally and stuff like that. But it's like, no, it's wrong. Yeah. Like in, in my session, a dude was just like, you know, this is going to be controversial, but you know, I think uh, Black Lives Matter is, is actually uh, racist and, um, you know, they're they're militant. And I really think it should be all lives matter because, like, everyone's important. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? No. And then the trainer was like, yeah, I like that. All lives matter sounds more inclusive. And it's just like, what? <laughs> like, no. Like, Pop this out immediately. Put this shit exactly. Stop, stop, stop. And... It's it's just wild how how easy it was for people to jump on that bandwagon and be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, all I, everyone's important. It's like, yeah, everyone is important, but we need to highlight what is happening with specifically black communities right now. Like, you know, there there's all people of color are being attacked right now, but there is a massive issue with um, you know what's happening down the which has been happening for like you know fucking centuries now in the US and it's just like this is not a new problem. That's the thing. It's not a new problem. This isn't just something you have no, it's a it has been an ongoing issue and and it's very hard for me to like understand how people fine, you may not have known it, but don't make this seem like, oh this Wow, this happened like the last couple of weeks. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, my mom, my grandmother, and my great grandmother and great grandfather, my father, veteran, you know, all those guys, they've all gone through some measure of this. Everybody in my family, no records, nothing. We've all gone through some measure of this in our lives. That's insane. Four generations of versions of this, like, it's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot. The fact that we have been. We've been, we've persevered and we've, you know, my, my mom teaches, my grandmother was a professor, my like these people, they busted their ass and much harder times than what is happening now. But we've done versions of this and we've persevered. Not so many people are very lucky at that point. And 
it, it's weird, but I'll take the fact that people are like, oh, this is a serious matter. I'm like, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been serious about uh, a couple hundred years, but whatever, it's fine. You're here now. You're here now. Do something about it. It's, yeah, it's, it's like welcome to the party. Well, then it's funny too because like I've been having a lot of conversations with my American friends as this has been exploding down in the states, and they're like, well, at least Canada doesn't have. I'm like, no, Canada is rife with racism. Um, I would say even more so than America. I've heard that. Heard it. I I, I have only. My time in Vancouver was me basically in a room, so I didn't get to experience it on a online market. But all of my friends from Nova Scotia all the way around, they will tell me, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, don't worry. This is happening here, too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. You know, now, you know, I've heard some stories. I'm like, wow, wow they, there's a lot of people down here who think being up there would be in a better position. I'm like, oh, guys, I am. I've uh, I've seen some things, but I've been told some things. It's not going to be much different. So, like the the one thing, <laughs> the only thing that I appreciate about the American brand of racism is that it's it's very overt, and you just yeah, know, like when it's happening, you know, you know it's happening. It's, it's exactly like up here. It's kind of like, sorry, we don't really like your kind here. Like, would you mind just like you know, oh, sorry about that. Like, it really polite. It's upset. I I don't want to inconvenience you, but. You, your presence makes us uncomfortable. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird. Like it's- um, I, I honestly, yeah, I'm okay with over. Cause over, I'm like, all right, I see you coming. Polite racism, I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> like, like, I can just see my face going, wait, are you for, I can't tell if you're trolling me or not. And then you're like, oh my God, you're serious. It's wow. almost like racial gaslighting. Oh, <laughs> oh that is oh, oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we've been just having some, like, very, very intense shit in Canada the last few weeks, too, because there was a discovery of um, a mass grave of children. Oh, yeah, with the kids. Yeah, and so there was um, there's a school in Toronto called Ryerson, and the guy there that um, the school's named after, he was one of the chief architects of the whole residential school thing, and uh, there was a statue of him that people have been wanting to have taken down for quite some time. And it's been just getting vandalized repeatedly over the years. But there was a huge protest recently. And um, they ended up, like, someone just chained it up with a truck and fucking ripped it right off of its pedestal. And then they, like, decapitated it. Like, it was wild. Like, the, this group of, of uh, protesters, like, just, like, straight up, like, you know, fucking smashed the head off ground the head off and then they served it to one of the elders there there was a, an elder there and they like put it in front of him as like a, a peace offering and he kind of like stood there with his like foot on top of it and then they shoot through that shit in the fucking harbor <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love like, it get this racist copper ass out of here yeah um and it was wild because like this school was just like we're not going to replace it it's that's yeah. thank you for getting rid of it for us basically and they I think we didn't want to do it at first, but fuck it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and I don't think anyone ended up getting charged with it because they're nope. just, yeah, this is a problematic thing. And this is how change happens, though. Like, it's it's easy for the other side to be like, look at that. Look at these people. These liberals went out there, like, you know, they're just, they're anarchists. And, like, you know, they want to make things better, but, like, they're destroying property and all. It's like, no, we're they're reclaiming something, like, all of this is stolen property right now. Literally. 
the entire thing. We are on yeah. property. Like every, almost every square mile of this, of our country, of this continent <laughs> stolen. Exactly. It, not even in, just in North America, but South America too. Yeah. Like all of it is like, it's all fucking stolen land. This wasn't ours to begin, but okay. I'm, I'm just making sense, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's my fault. It's my fault. I, I just, I'm, I'm glad that these types of things are happening now because I don't think had we not been trapped in this pandemic, would, oh. these, would these start happening? And like, I'm, I'm really hoping that it's also going to start help with the inequities that we have socially as well too. Like yes. um, it's made it very apparent that like capitalism doesn't work. Yep. Um, you know, we, we need some sort of living wage for people. Like it's, it's ludicrous to think that like right now, as we're talking, there's someone in an Amazon warehouse that's packaging yep. someone's product that could even be on this chat with us that's peeing in a Gatorade box right yep. now because they're too terrified to go take a bathroom break because it's going to put their metrics down too much and they're going to get in trouble and get fired. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's watching, watch, it's almost dystopian in their own, in its own way. Like you're afraid to pee. Like that's why I'm big on, if you are an artist around me in any which way and I can help you, I'm helping you. Like, like I teach a screenwriting class, I get paid to do that, but they get way more than that class is supposed to offer. Because I'm like, look, if you need anything, you need me to critique it, you'll never have to pay me again. You'll never have to pay me for this shit again. You you can come to me at any point in time. Because nobody, I just don't believe somebody should be to the point where you're working in a 100-degree trailer peeing in Gatorade bottles to get by. It's not the way this is supposed to go. Um I agree. Someone said I want Amazon to unionize so bad. That would just, it would, it's just, as a person who did the logistics, I did logistics for Amazon and the automation. And I remember the day that I was like, I was there touring the place. I had literally just been hired to do the logistics. And I retired and I was like, all right, I don't want to pay for health insurance because we still hadn't figured that shit out. And I'm, I'm there and they're touring this this facility and I'm walking by and I break off from the group and they're a bunch of suits and I'm in a suit and I'm walking by and I see these trucks and I'm like, these people are busting ass. It's gotta be 105 degrees in the middle of Florida. And I'm like, what the, what's, what's how long you guys been? This guy has been working here. He's like, oh, I've been there a year. And he's like, oh, so did you just get here? He goes, no, 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 I was here overnight. I'm like, oh, so when you go home? Uh, I didn't. He worked there. He was literally working. He was, he was on the 17th hour. What? 17th hour. I promise you, I promise you, I caught back up to the group, <clears throat> got upstairs. I sat as they were talking, and I pretended to go to the bathroom, and then I left and never came back. I literally, I'm like, this is crazy. This is insane. I will never do something I don't love and not get paid for to do so or never do so. I'd rather, I would rather, I would rather have to work a bunch of odd jobs than to sit there and do what this, it was slave labor. It really was. And it became sort of my mission to make sure that anyone who comes in contact with anything that I do, if I can help you get to the point where this is what you want to do, 
for your career? I'll never, like in music, I always say, if you're looking to be famous, I'm not the guy. <clears throat> for to do this as your career, whatever this is, I will do whatever I can to help you because no one should just work themselves to death. No, no one should. Not. It, it, it's, it's, it was, he worked 16 hours. Like, I didn't even know that was legal. Like, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. He probably clocked out, went to sleep in his car, and then came back. What? Like, that's insane. Well, and, and that's not living either. So it's like, I, I worked for a, a small tech company that, like, you know, tried to make themselves look like a cool, like, family kind of thing, blah, 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 whatever. But then I learned, like, most of our tech staff was being paid, like, well below the median. And a bunch of them were super struggling to the point where, like, a bunch of them were, like, getting second jobs just to be able to, like, live. And it's just like, yo, if you're doing this job, you shouldn't, like, this should be enough for you to live there, on. Like, you should be, just be able, this should be, yeah. you like, shouldn't have. Look at, like, for, for the, the roles they had, like, if you looked at, like, the market, like, what they're getting, like, they were being paid, like, you know, at least 20% under what they should have been, if, if not more. Like, it was, it was a huge gap. And I was fighting to get them more money and it was getting me in trouble um with with management a bit and uh then i was like i i gotta quit like i can't be here anymore they didn't want me to quit because like they needed me around um and the cfo had a conversation with me he's just like well would you stay for more money it's like well yeah like that's one of the reasons why i'm leaving is like you guys don't pay me enough either um so it's like i need more money to survive but i was like if you're going to give me more money, are you going to give everyone else more money? Because I can't take more money and then go work with these guys that I know are struggling and feel good about that situation. So it's like, unless you're going to make them whole, you, you can't make me whole. And like, well, we can't afford that. It's like, well, then I, I can't be here. If you, if you don't want to take care of your people, like what, what the shit are you even doing? Like, that's the important, we, we need to take care of each other. We need to support each other. Like, what you're doing uh, with, with your writing and like supporting people in the photographic community, that's amazing because like now there's those eight kids in your class every, every semester you're doing that. And those like seven people that you helped with the photography stuff that are going to feel emboldened and, you know, empowered to move forward with what they're learning from you with like, you know, do the photography stuff, do the, the writing because they've been propped up and we need more of that. We got to yeah. have more. For me, for me, it's 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 always been someone gave me that shot. I didn't go to film school. I, I I was I was just good at writing, and someone gave me a shot. And then that's how I look at it. Someone gave me a shot, and that person is still a person I go to all the time. And I got a shot, and it turned into a career. Someone gave me a shot in basketball. I I got a shot, and it turned into a career. So my I just feel like my favorite thing in the world is just give them a shot. I'm not saying give them a you know. 100 shots give them a couple of shots to at least figure this out because the alternative is peeing in a gatorade bottle on the trailer like no one should live that way it's unfair it's wrong it's wrong it's it's just wrong to do that human beings should not be working themselves in a job that they are essentially working themselves to be to death and then be given not even a gold watch like you know, where you, it, it's 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 something that drives me nuts. And people ask me questions. 
I have more, there are people who are mad at me because I give away information on things that, I mean, if it isn't technical, I will, you ask me a question, I got you. Especially in film, because I'm constantly learning 35 millimeter. I'm constantly learning on all polar. I'm constantly learning super eight. There are people who tell me I'm very, very good or have an expertise. I promise you, I probably read and watch more YouTube videos than I'll ever admit, and then admit it. If I know the information or I don't know it, hey, this guy, he might know. You know what he might know? Merlin might know. Like, these are the things we should be as a community for each other because we are a rare breed. We are not, there's not a lot of people who want to sit down and have the patience to be a screenwriter. There's not a lot of people who, who want to sit there and learn how to load a camera. Uh, there's not a lot of people who want to deal with how to process that film and, and make their own stuff. So if someone shows that interest, I feel like you're obligated to be like, let me help you peak that interest so this is something you want to do on your own. Absolutely, right? And then also, like, we, we talked about it a bit earlier, but, like, you know, a lot of creatives tend to struggle a bit with, like, you know, emotional things, depression, things like that, anxiety um, and whatnot. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of fears of, sharing that or exposing that because um we we live in a society that like demonizes um mental health and there's been some improvement about it but like it it does feel a little disingenuous that that improvement a bit like you know it's like it, it doesn't feel like some employers really welcome it and accept it as much as they really should and like I spent a lot of time hiding my mental illness from my career because like I was terrified about how it would affect me professionally. Um, but then I, I got tired of lying all the time because like you start to lose the lies that you're telling some people about like pretending to be normal. And then like you say one lie to somebody, but then you, you mix up with another lie to someone else and they're just like, Oh, well that's where you said. That. And it's just like, Oh, fuck, I can't, I can't be normal anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and first of all, I always say being normal is overrated. I always say that being normal, I am, I have my quirks. I have my art. I love my art. I love what I do. But I'm also, I learned at a young age that the only way to kick things, at least for me in terms of like mental health, is to be, to be verbally communicative in almost every which way, shape or form. And I used to hold that back because my really my only way of release was playing a sport. So I, I wasn't communicative. I could not communicate my feelings very well. And then I got into my twenties and I go, why am I, I, I can't sit here and have this ball of anxiety in front of me, but I didn't know how to handle it. So one day I decided I'm just going to say what I want. And if people get mad at me, at least I don't feel like shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let yeah. me I feel right now like I'm nervous as hell. I'm upset. I, you know, sometimes I need to cry. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. As you know, there's a lot of masculine things that go against. Oh, well, you listen. Song, some songs move me to tears. You know, I, you know, there, there are things where I love my fiance a lot. It moves me to tears. I don't really get to throw the word L, the L word out there. Love very often. Yeah. Sometimes picture it'll move me. But that's not a bad thing. I no. think I think that being that way shows softness or some feminine thing. That's not the case. It's 
you no one should feel like they have to be bottled up for the sake of other people. Fuck other people on that sense. You you shouldn't be sitting there having anxiety attacks because you're around people and no one needs to know. No. You know what? There's no embarrassment in that. If anything, realistically, if you think about it, anxiety attacks are an evolutionary trait. That's your body's way of knowing fight or flight. That's you knowing that you this is this is really happening. You know you're real. And it's it's wrong to make people feel that way. Like I've only had one anxiety attack in my life, and it was because like my mom, my grandmother, the most, and my my future wife are the three most important women in my life. My grandmother had a stroke. She's a hundred percent now, but I wasn't prepared to lose my grandmother, so I had my first real anxiety attack, and I've never had it in front. Of, I had it in front of my my uh, my fiance, and it was it was scary, but also. It felt fine. It felt good because it was it wasn't sitting here anymore. Some people will sit with that for the rest of it, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I'm feeling sick." Well, you you're eating the stress. You're eating the stuff that people are putting on you, and yeah. that's you. And that's and, and that shit will literally make you sick. Like keeping that stuff inside will like it, it can lead to like chronic sicknesses oh, and, and things like that. It's so crazy how quickly like like. There are people, there's the kids in my screenwriting class that, you know, they're talking about like how people think, you know, going to screenwriting class is, is stupid or whatever. And I'm like, well, have you conveyed that you don't believe that? Well, no. And they're sitting there talking about how they're nervous about them. Like, you shouldn't be nervous about being creative. You shouldn't be nervous about being creative. Talking about it makes me feel so sad that as an artist, you feel like you have to hide something because people judge it. That's stupid. If you're good at making, if you're good at knitting, you shouldn't, that's not shameful. Some people, I know a guy who's the best knitter in the damn world, but as a man, no one expects him to be that way. That's stupid. That's he, dope. It, that's, it's so dope. It's like, he's really, really good. Whole blankets, just like, like it was nothing, but he feels like he has to hide that. And you, when you hide who you are and you hide your true self, you're hurting yourself. You're well, hurting all that expectation too is silly too where it's just like i it's starting to change a bit but i don't like how masculine photography is and mm -hmm. like there's this focus of like you know um just men are inherently better at it or whatever and that's bullshit because like you know so many great female photographers out there non-binary photographers that are out there that run around these like shitty dudes with cameras I can tell you right now, there. Uh, I mean, I think I think she was in here earlier, and she doesn't. Even, I, I tell her every day. Uh, uh, Krista Morehouse, she's out in in Cali. She is, she is fucking fantastic. She does. I don't even know if she knows she's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Peggy shoots film. She's unbelievable. Like uh, Ray uh, Canaway, she's based out here. Unbelievable. It's weird. The idea that somebody could be like, oh, well, you know, as a man, you know, I bet, no, there's some females, there's some non-binary folk that are out there and they are just fantastic. I am looking to them going, damn, I need to do this, you know? And, and that's where the, comp if anything, that's the only time competitiveness is good for, in terms of that, in the sense of, I need to catch up to that. Like, I need to feel that in that sense well like, I, I don't know if competitiveness would be the right word for that like i think if it's more like they're inspiring you to yeah. you're, just, you're just like holy shit i never thought of trying that type of approach 
exactly. that now because that looks fucking awesome. Yeah, like damn, I shit, I love that. Like there was a one of the bands that I worked with, the Clydes. They were, you know, they wrote a song called Fate of California. And one of my favorite um, pictures from uh, Krista is uh, this, like, it's like the ship, uh, I think it's like an abandoned ship in Bondi Beach. I don't know, it's in California in the middle of the desert. And it's fantastic. And I had a picture that I thought was good, but I knew her picture was so much better. So I went to her, I'm like, look, can we use this for an album cover? And she looked at me and goes, are you for real? I'm like, yeah. It's like, I've seen, you know, my pictures, I've done a bunch of it. I'm like, your picture is that much better. I'd rather your picture be on this album cover. And it went so, it, it was so surprising to her. I'm like, I would always, I will always be the first person. If someone's doing better and it inspired me to do something, I will always point to that expression. Just like, you know, the book. I'll tell you right now. I told you, you inspired me to go, I need to write this book the way I want to write this book because it's out there to be done. And, and, and that's one of my, one of my favorite things in art you're supposed to uh you're supposed to inspire each other it's, it's not a point you know it's not like it's not like basketball you're playing against a team the best you know most points at the end of the game wins it's a it's a i read this book this inspired me i watched this movie this inspired me this person's film is unbelievable that inspired me there are people in the uk my friend alex who we've never met he is a fantastic Super 8 and 16 millimeter uh, uh, filmmaker. He tells me I'm good. I'm trying to be and keep the, his stuff inspires me so much. It makes me want to consistently always work and learn new things. That's what this community should be about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a doggy dog thing. We can all eat at this table. We all have different perspectives. This is why things look, we could all take the same picture. It won't be the same. Well, it's, exactly. Like you see that when when you go out with a photo walk of people, and yeah. you know when people are sharing their photos after, there could be like you know twenty different photos of the same thing. Exactly. Different photos because they're from twenty different perspectives. Yeah, and and I think that's a thing a lot of people don't understand. Perspective is everything. Yeah. It's like photography. Like there's a a lot of cinematographers, but the way I see things and light things and get behind the camera and the way you know Alex in the UK does it's a totally different feel but that's what makes art art and that's what things makes things unique you know we don't shoot the same way we don't write the same way but those things make us unique in the simple sense that someone's going to want this someone's going to watch this someone's going to want to be around this and it's just not a lot of people who get that take a stop sign I can take a stop sign I might have a completely different i know people who are great black and white photographers i have i am meh at black and white i love black and white but i'm mad but i watch i look at all the black and white stuff you do a couple other friends like you guys crush black and white i want to learn more and feel comfortable about black and white and, and at the film level and and have i have a bunch of ilford that i've just been itching to go okay i'm just gonna take the plunge and that's the way it should be. It's an inspirational thing that people can do well. And whether you're monetizing it or just putting it out there, there's always a place. You don't have to undercut somebody to do it. You don't have to put people under the ground because you're doing the same thing. We're all different. That's you, should, the uh, 
You should treat yourself to a roll of Sinistil Double X. I so that recently came just came out and uh right. No, it's it's been around for a while in thirty five millimeter, but oh. they just recently released it in medium format, which and, I'm like chomping at the fucking bit to get. Oh. It over. I would say twenty photography. I know you don't like you're not really comfortable with black and white, but this one twenty sinister you're gonna love and I am I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna get it. I like I have to. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite black and white stocks, man. Like it's oh, wow. uh, you know, and it's very forgiving. So um, you know, if you're still finding your, your footing around black and white, um it's not it's not a bastard. Like, there's some black and whites I've shot that are just, like, real assholes. Oh, yeah, yeah. There have been days where I'll nail Ilford, like, hardcore, and then there are days I'm like, what in the absolute hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, I'll get it back. Um, my lab is a uh, gelatin labs up here in Jersey, and I'll, and I'll get it back, and I go, this was a goddamn mistake. <laughs> like, there are times where there'll be people around me and like, I'll be looking through the photos on the phone or on the computer and I'll just start talking to myself. Like this, where was I going with this? So I'm going to definitely try it, especially now. I just, about two weeks ago, I have a 60 year old Yashica Flex um, medium format camera. Actually, it's sitting right here. Actually, Hold on. There we go. So I got this. And it wasn't in the best condition when I got it. Um, but as is most of these cameras, people think they're broken because they're dirty. And in actuality, it was just really dirty. It had one thing wrong with it that I had to replace, but I had the part from another Yushika a long time ago mm -hmm. that I replaced it with. And it came out great. I had a test run. So I, I knew that the moment I got this done, um, that this the, my medium format bug was going to come back. I'm trying to avoid um, getting a brand new uh, 120 only because I really love the old stuff. But I know I'm going to probably get a Bronica or something like that at some point. But I love the Shushika. It's 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 it is very forgiving, um, but also. It is uh, very honest. It's like you know, you know your stuff. You're looking at this. It's it's it, it just takes. You couldn't tell if the single digital or and it's a 60 year old camera. Yeah, I don't know if I'm more proud of the fact that I was able to fix it and make it working, or the fact that I was able to get it. I got it for the guy basically sold it for 20 bucks because he thought I was going to use it for parts, and I thought it was done too. The moment I opened it, I'm like, oh my god, this thing is just gross. <laughs> It just broke. That's all it was. So it was good. So I, I'm probably going to cop some of that Sinistil uh, for sure. You're, you're going to love a Bronica if you if you go that route. Like, I, I've got a Bronica FQAI, and um, it's so good. Like, you know, it's it's like it's, some people argue that, like, they're, they're Hasselblad good just mm -hmm. with, like, the Hasselblad costs. But, like, yeah, medium format is a lot of fun. And just like on the Cinecell thing, we're talking about like avoiding gatekeeping and like sharing and things like that. When I was talking to the brothers right the other week, mm -hmm. it was interesting to learn how Cinecell happened. Um, 
it was because they were they were shooting weddings primarily like they they started as wedding photographers and they were using <clears throat> the vision 500 film for the mm. wedding to be able to do some really cool shit but they were getting annoyed with like having to deal with the remjet and stuff like that oh, okay yeah so they came up with a machine to pull the remjet off of um the, the 500t so that they could just process the film c41 and the machine they made to do it created way more film than they needed um but they spent all this time like building the machine and coming up with this process and everything to like you know do the remjet removal on their own they could have kept that to themselves and been like the only wedding photographers that could like do that like cinema look because no one else was was doing that kind of thing but instead they decided they're like well we're making so much volume of film with this like we have more film than we need to do our shooting let's sell some of this and that that's how Sinistil ended up happening which was like that's so fucking cool like cool. like greedy dicks you guys were just like let's make this for everyone and that's the thing like like you can do both you can you can make you know you can make some coin off of it but also you can also make it available for people to do different things with it and you know you didn't have they didn't they could have cornered the market and kept it there forever nope and that's 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 the beauty of being in art that's the beauty of being a photographer for most people i i feel like there are a lot of gatekeepers because of maybe they've been doing it all they hell if you go on any facebook group realistically there's a lot of people who i get really upset when they like laugh at people who are just starting out and they're asking these questions i'm like how do you did you forget how you learned were you yeah. just did you did you just come out the womb with the bronica or, or a 35 millimeter that's how it went and 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 i hate that because there are people who are taking stuff and they're doing still lives and and, and learning about negative space and and all that stuff but you laugh at them, but why? But why? You learned this too, you know what I mean? And 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 it, like I said, I'm all about creating as many film photographers as possible. I love it. And also, the more film photographers, the better, because then it's not such a rare thing where that you know you're you're fighting to get film on things, and, and the cost of those things, the supply and demand of doing so. So the more people who are doing it, the more people are going to appreciate. Oh well, maybe I should open up. A, a film shop these things like i feel like no one sees the big picture they just see how it's negatively affecting them now and then go oh shit you know what maybe i shouldn't do this and that you can do a lot more when you think of someone other than yourself for like five seconds five or ten seconds think about how good it is to have five to seven people who know and do what you do and 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 that's that's probably like my thing and i, I think i just saw something about I'm getting back into developing film and I suck at it now. I'm going to mess up a bunch. I'm telling you, I used to be, I used to be around great people to do it. And now I'm going to mess up a bunch, but you know what? I'm going to get back into it. And the moment I get back to a point where I'm really good at it, I'm going to teach other people because it's a, it's a almost dying art. There's not a lot of people who like doing it. So for me, it's like, all right, let me make sure there are more of that. Cause guess what? There's only two film photographers of uh, film uh, development labs in Jersey. I know one of them because they're in my hometown. The other one's far off. Everything else is in in the uh, in New York, and even then, it's not a lot. There's only one dark room, and that's in Gowanus. So it's crazy 
but you want to create more so there's more places for you to do these things. Um, Absolutely. Like that was one of the things. So a, a guy that came through earlier, uh, Jay, um, he taught me how to do prints in the dark room. And it was just like, cause I ran into him in Kensington market in Toronto cause he was shooting with his five by seven camera. And I was just like, well, you don't see those all the fucking time. Yeah. And it's like a five by seven camera from the 1800s from Berlin, which was even like crazier. That's um, fucking dope. <laughs> oh my God. Super cool. Like it, it's got a neat story and he's a, he's an interesting um, creative. If, if you want to check out his stuff, it's jumble face um, photo on um, on Instagram. But um, yeah, he was just like, hey, you seem into this photography stuff. Like, why don't you come by um, this place, Gallery 44 in Toronto? And it's like a community um, darkroom and studio and stuff like that. And he showed me how to do printing. And I fell like head over heels in love with it and was just like showing like anyone who would want to like, yeah, like I'm interested. I'm like, okay, you're coming with me to the gallery. Exactly. I love that. I love, I love, love that. Like, I would, you know, if I, if I more likely will probably be moving out West, but you know, if I were here, I would open a development, you know, just a, a dark room in Jersey. I would love that. That would make me so happy. I would love to teach classes for that. It, it's, it's, it's a mixture of someone's going to pay me to do what I love, but also I get to hand this down to people and go, this is, uh, this is, this is why I love doing this. Uh, Super 8 too. I feel the same way about Super 8. Um, I I probably would have to say, actually, that is a good idea. We should all do a photo walk. I noticed there are like four people in, from Jersey in this room, and I go, we should all get together and do a photo walk. Um, all, all y'all should follow each other and figure out where you're at. I just noticed that was like, the, there was two, three people that were like, oh, I'm from Jersey. I'm like, wait, that's the third or fourth person I saw. This is awesome. This is a dark room in Newark. Hold on, that's a whole other story. I, I grew up in Maplewood, so I didn't even know that there was a dark room in Newark. But um, the, the the thing is, is that like I love Super Eight. I love Super Eight so much. Like it's crazy. I love Super Eight so much that, or and thirty five millimeter. When I see like the filters that they put, oh my god, it hurts me. It hurts me when they put filters on. Like there's a Super Eight filter for the stories here, and I'm like, oh my, yeah. like. Oh, like it just it's just wrong. I, like, I feel the same way about the Polaroid filters. Oh, don't even get yourself. Like oh, not, not the hate on, on digital and stuff like that, but it's like, yo, if you want to take a Polaroid, take a fucking Polaroid. Like, you know who gets really like today, I forgot who it was, a friend of mine posted it and the way he had posted it, it was the original the picture in the background, like how I do, and then I'll have the Polaroid in the middle. But what he did, what he did something in particular, and the person who gets the angriest about people using the potentially the fake Polaroid uh, frame is my fiance, just because like, is he using a fake one? Like, that's how I know I've gotten like, it, I'm in her brain now. Like, she's like, that is, oh my God, is that fake? I hate that. And I'm like, yes, yes, excellent. You don't like fake Polaroid frames. I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna confess something on here about uh -oh. the new book is that the the cover image mm -hmm. kind of a fake polaroid <gasps> but it's a fake but it's real so it, it's a scan of a real polaroid okay the image is um it's a digital photo 
Oh. It's a 35 millimeter photo, sorry. But what I did was I took the 35 millimeter photo, put it on my phone, put it on my impossible lab, mm -hmm. and I made a Polaroid out of it. And I'm... then I scanned it. So it's like kind of a Polaroid, but not. But there's I... a physical real Polaroid of it. I've kind of considered getting one of those impossible labs. And then literally the day I was like, oh, you know, I'll think about it. And then what did I do? I somehow broke my camera lens at that point and got a new phone eventually. But I was like, that was a sign. But I, I'm thinking about it again. But if it breaks, I'm blaming you. <laughs> so here, here's the, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. But I think like one of the best justifications for the, uh, the lab would be if you want to mess with photo manipulations. Like, mm. I haven't had a heart to do an emulsion pull because I don't want to ruin that one photo. Uh, and so it's just like what I thought the lab could be perfect for is like if you want to do emulsion pulls of things. You could practice. Yeah, you can make a bunch of images on it. Um, and then you, you don't, you're not losing that one photo if you, if you fuck it up or whatever. So it's like... Uh -huh really master that or if you're like doing the etsy thing or things like that you know mm -hmm. you kind of like mass produce yeah. lips with, or you can like do emulsion lips to order kind of thing where people could send you their digital pictures and then you can i yeah. give i give credit to people who pull i probably only pulled off two emulsion lifts successfully in the couple times i've tried but when you get it i'm like this is this is fucking dope like i get it i get it I'm I'm interested to see what it would be like with the round frame. I'm also I'm in love with the round frames. I love the round frame. I, I love the round frames a lot. It's so it's a, like just such a cool Yeah, it's just cool it look. just it's just so good. Like I have like when I'm when I'm done here, I'm gonna literally go I have all of my Polaroids from uh Las Vegas and I'm gonna scan the hell out of them over the next couple of days and finally start to pull up like post them. And I took a lot of round frames and I would have the thing around my neck and you would understand. I mean, you understand this. There are people who see that and go, wait, is that Polaroid? And the conversations just go. And it, it's, it's because people think they still make those. I'm like, oh yeah, they do. You know, and, and now the round frame, I, there's one particular type of Polaroid I wish they would bring back a really, and, and no one ever says it, so, you know, they brought the dual chrome back with the, the yellow and black. I want them to bring back the red and black. I need them to bring back. That would make me, I might cry. There, I said it. The red and black is dope. I also really liked the blue and the pink. Yes. Yes. I, I, feel, like, I feel like they'll, I don't know if they'll be anytime soon, but I feel like they will. I feel like it's going to work itself out, especially for the blue and pink. I feel like it'll 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 pop up eventually because yeah. I think whether people notice or not, Polaroid is getting more and more popular. Um, and so, controversial question for you. Go on. It's been coming up in in other chats, but uh, how do you feel about the Polaroid Go? <sighs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I I had this discussion about a week ago. Part of me is like, I'm very happy that they're trying to find different ways to appeal 
to people by going straight up Polaroid Instamax, essentially. Yeah. But the other part of me is like, ah, but why? Like, it's like, I, I like it, but also I, I'm not 100% a fan of it. I get the purpose of it. You're, you're making new people new fans. I yeah. just think, I just think that at this point, because Instamax is not doing a great job of promoting this stuff, or people have forgotten about it, it's a perfect time to do it. So I would say I'm eighty twenty. I'm okay with the with the mini. Are you gonna buy one? No. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna buy one. I'm I'm curious about it, and I think <clears throat> I would probably buy one when I see someone like if you bought one, like I because I look at your stuff all the time. If you bought one, and if it came out really cool, I'd be like, God damn it. All right, you know what? Let me just, let me see what this is. And Listen, then I'll probably. I'll, I'll tell you why I want to buy one. Because giving away real Polaroids to strangers is really fucking expensive. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, you know, maybe the Go would just, it would be, because I give away a lot of Instax Square to strangers. Mm -hmm. And what... Chris Chris Wu called me out on this. She's like, you're sort of classist with the way you give out your instant pictures. One, I am as well. I've yeah, been most people I'll give them like an insight. If I don't know them or they're, they're or I'm not really like I, if I find them very interesting or I know them and they're their pals, then they get a Polaroid. If they're very very interesting, um, or I love them dearly, they get a pack film shot. Um, but if they're just like mildly interesting. Um, and like also just random strangers on the street, I, I just I give away a lot of Instax photos. I I get that actually makes perfect sense because I think I'd be more willing to be like, all right, here's a mini. Because the full ones I can count I don't know if this is sad or not. I can probably count the still know the number of Polaroids I've given out. And it basically is broken down like that. If I know you and we are cool. And I or I like like see you all the time. Okay, I'm probably gonna give you this one. If you are someone, I'm like okay. If I see you, cool, mildly interesting. Basically, I I probably won't. If they at that point, I'll at they'll have to ask me. <laughs> they'll have yeah. to say if I get the walk away, I'll be like oh, I'll send you the scan. Like I just. I <laughs> like here's my card. I'll send you the scan. But there are people that I'm like super close with. I'm like, okay, yeah, because I'm going to see this Polaroid on your refrigerator in your album at some point in the next day or two. But if there, if there are people that I'm like, meh, like, here's my card. I'll send you the scan. The, the, because again, like I said, I mean, I get a lot of them. I have a I have a Polaroid plug, so I've been very lucky about that. But they're still costly, so I'm like. Mm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna just give this to anyone. But I can still. I can. Keep, I still have a pretty good track of the number of Polaroids I've probably given out. Um, I've totally lost track. Like, uh, <laughs> but like one. So one of my favorite things that with with people. That I, so like this. This is one half of a set of photos. So with with people that I really love and appreciate, that I haven't like if I haven't seen them in a while, um, I'll always take two photos. Yeah. And. It's like, we're going to play a game. I'm going to take two photos. You get to pick which one you want to keep, and then I keep the other one. Yep. So we both have, like, you know, a memory from this moment kind of thing, um, which has been kind of a fun game. 
The pack ones, I'm telling you right now, you're a nice guy. Pack ones, I'd probably be like, no. Like, Cap, no. <laughs> well, so here's, here's the thing with the, the pack ones, though. Like, I've been thinking... I've been thinking a lot about it. It's like I could solve a lot of, not a lot, but like some of my financial stress right now if I sold all of my pack film stash. But the way it makes me feel when I shoot it is um, is priceless. Like I can't put a dollar value on that. And when when I give someone a pack film, like when when they see it peel apart and just like that moment when they're just like holy shit, like they're they're seeing like the image as it's like. Uh And they're just like, ah, like that is like worth all the money in the world, that moment there. And that's one why the, I get so many of the pack film shots. One of the things that's been happening, which has turned into something pretty cool is, so like I do, I'll do a fair amount of portraits and stuff like that. And what I've noticed is, is that I've had people ask me to do Polaroids. And most of them, you know, some models and stuff like that. They'll do Polaroids and I can take them back and I'll scan them. But like the feeling of someone seeing these Polaroids for the first time, like seeing a Polaroid, like I've run into a lot of people, more people who have not seen a Polaroid ever. Like they've seen it or they've heard the, the term Polaroid. Yeah. And then they see it and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I go, okay, that was kind of dope. <laughs> like, right. Uh, all right, you want? She's like, oh, because I'll take a pack of like, get, you know what? Here, it's it's fine. Like, and she, that model cherishes them. Like, they still like they still call like the little like preview ones Polaroids, even if they're not Polaroids. And now I'm getting a lot of work with people who want to, like agencies, like, oh, can you take Polaroids of these outfits with these girls and blah blah blah, and these guys? And I'm like, this is awesome. But then you see their face, and I'm like, man. I already got paid for this. Or even if I didn't, I have friends who are just, I'm like, you know what? Choose a couple that you like. And 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 some of them are, they acknowledge, they acknowledge, oh, wait, don't these cost? I'm like, yeah, but you were so happy seeing these. Just take a yeah. couple, it's fine. And I get that, especially with a pack, because I still, every time I watch someone do pack film on here, even I'm going, Oh my god! And I've done pack film, and I love—I just love the peel apart of it. It's—it's it's probably one of my favorite parts of it. it, it I, I'm, I'm more mad I don't do more pack film, which will probably change in the very near future. I—I'm sad for the day that I run out of it. Yeah, and like you know, I—it'll probably be like next year, something like that. Well, you know that because it, oh man, oh, that's rough. But it's just like, it's totally worth it because I've thought about selling it so many times, but it's like, I like giving them to people, but I also like being able to shoot it. And if I sell it, um, then I can't shoot it. Anymore. Yeah, you can't shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, I can't afford to rebuy it either. <laughs> I think I have in my mini fridge, I think I have a shelf. I, I've been sitting on, at least two rows deep of maybe about six or seven. Yeah, I would say about six or seven of them. And I've gone through probably two in the last pandemic was probably my high mark for those two. Dang. I think I've shot probably about 
oh man during the pandemic up till now a dozen damn a bit of fp100 and also a bunch of expired polaroid too because like I have, I have a mix of like some old expired polaroid um i just scored some 669 that i've been sitting on um i need to come to vancouver <laughs> yeah photo walking vancouver <laughs> well we might be having one in august i don't know if the border will be open by then uh, but we're we're trying to put together um something in august um they're having the in-person polar con right Yes, so that I mean that's actually where we met too was yep. the on five uh, the the virtual event. Um, it is going to be a I think they're still doing it hybrid where it'll be some parts of it virtual, but there will also be an in person point to it. It's the last weekend of September um, coincides with the launch of the state fair, um, and you know if the border opens, I'll definitely be making my way down there because i'll be all vaxxed up in the next couple weeks here good cool cool i think i'm pretty sure i'm gonna there's a lot of people it's the good thing about the pandemic is there's a lot of people i've met virtually like yourself that i'm pretty excited to meet in person just because of the conversation that i've been had and 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 just you know the 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 culmination of that is seeing the person people in person and being able to talk and interact with them and eat and drink with them i think i think there's an appreciation for the human interaction now than there, more now than there's ever been yeah like it, it, that's also been like another thing from the pandemic too is just like you know we're we're social creatures and the you know, pre-pandemic a lot of us sort of spent a lot of time willfully in our own boxes and yep. other people and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly introverted person myself, even though I do this kind of stuff, like, you know, I need a lot of recharge time. And mm -hmm. I was kind of just like, okay, I don't want to be home anymore. Like, <laughs> like all right, these walls are enough home time. This but is too much. For anyone out there that has an interest in Polaroid stuff or photography in general, um, and having fun, um, definitely consider heading to denton texas the uh the last week of september um for policon six um you can check out instant film society um on instagram or instantfilmsociety.com on the website um, but they're working on planning for it right now and it's always a great time like um i've been to three well four of them counting the virtual event but like three of them in person and um it's amazing. Like just, you know, for what you're saying with connection, like connecting with people, like I've made so many amazing friends that I miss dearly right now. Cause, um, you know, I haven't been able to go to the States. So, um, but yeah, like lifelong pals have come out of it. So it's like this, this community that we're part of is a very amazing and humble yeah. community. I, I am very appreciative of, all of it. Uh, shout out to Instant Film Society and Daniel Rodriguez and all those guys. They've, uh, I, I've, I have, I, I enjoy this community more. I played basketball my entire life. I enjoy this photography and this Polaroid community so much. Just being able to, 
you know, constantly be able to and super great community, just be able to talk to them, hit them up on a message, ask questions, go back and forth. It's, it's good. There's not a lot of genres that people are a part of cultures that people are a part of that you can actually do that nowadays. And yeah. I think, I think having that in photography, especially film photography, um, it's fucking awesome, you know, and, and, and I'm glad the community seemingly is growing. Um, and, and I'm, I'm glad to see that people are taking an interest in this more. And like, like, like I said, more film photographers, like nothing against digital. I shoot digitally all the time because shooting in film is expensive as hell. But the guy right here. Yep. Digital right now. Yeah. Shoot digital. But, but you see that face you made, but you like digitally, like, yeah, digital. Cause you make oh. that face. <laughs> so my digital camera also says poser on <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you, you know you don't mean to make that face but you do meanwhile like i'll get off of here scan my polaroids probably reorganize this film uh refrigerator and and be super happy doing it because i got a whole bunch of i got some expired stuff i got right. some uh some venus stuff from japan that I, i'm kind of i'm really excited to shoot um, but it's 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 a great community. It really is. I mean, it, it's it's a niche community because there's not a lot of us, but that that is quietly going away. Um, and but it's a great community because of people like you. I appreciate that. That means that means a lot coming from you. That really does. That that means a lot. Yeah. And I'm excited about the book. So September, you were saying September. Yep. Uh, actually, the, the written part of it is basically done, and. Uh, I've kind of gone through all the pictures and kind of wrapped them around. Uh, I'll probably do one more run through, but September end of actually end of September, I think it'll be at the same time as Policon the six. So I might come down there and I'll have a couple of copies as well. And one, of the, one of the great things about Policon is there's always a zines and things marketplace. So yeah. you can have a table there and, you know, pawn some of them off. Exactly. So I'm, I'm really excited. You know, it's, 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 I hope you, I hope they let you out of Canada. I hope the border opens up. Um, I have two friends who are up there. One's out in Ottawa, and they're they're basically going stir crazy. So uh, I I'm, I'm happy. I'll be very happy for you guys when you guys are able to get out there and go. Definitely. Well, dude, I appreciate you rolling in and spending this time with me. And no uh, problem. I was super amped about being asked to be on it. Uh, it, it means a lot to me to be on it. Um, and, and whenever you do it again, if you feel like it, I'm down. This was really cool. <laughs> well, I, I might start bringing new people in when, when are uh, re getting guests to come revisit. Um, if I start running out of, uh, new guests, I am though going to have, um, a prior guest on an episode in the future here. Um, Jason Moore, who rolled in earlier. He was guest number one. Oh, wow. And he reminded me that um, the one-year anniversary of Photography Chats is coming up in August. So oh, wow. We're going to have a special anniversary episode uh, where Jason and I will actually talk about photography this time. <laughs> His episode, I think we talked more about Nicolas Cage than we did about photography. <laughs> Nick, Nick Cage has that effect on people, 100%. He does. Like it, it happened <laughs> on, on my call with, uh, or not on my, uh, on my chat with Chris last week, um, Jason rolled in and made a comment. And then we ended up, we talked about Nick Cage for like yep. 15 minutes. Not surprising. Yeah. 
<laughs> just as you're just sitting there. You, you, you could have a whole thing based off of just face off alone. I totally get it. That's what we were talking about. Yep. We were talking about it's face off. It's like, I want to take his face off. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm ready, ready for the big ride, baby. <laughs> I'm going to go watch that now. Forget everything I was going to do. I'm going to watch that. It's been so long. That one in Snake Eyes might be my two yes. ones in. Yeah. Like it's, he plays um, douchebags really well. Really, really well. Really, really well. It's almost like he might be one. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like an old best friend of mine, she was obsessed with Nicolas Cage, and um, he was filming something in the area that we are living in. And she is like desperately wanted to like hunt him down and meet him, but we never en ended up getting the chance to come I've, across. I've I have some friends who worked on, but I've never asked. I'm gonna ask them one day when they tell me they're like, "Ah, oh, he's an asshole." I'm gonna be like, "Damn, bro, I got some bad news." But he might be a nice guy, so I'm gonna figure that out. Cause I have a lot of people who worked with him on something before. The, what was that last movie? He did the horror movie, um, Mandy? I think it was Mandy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them how he was and and and, and report back to you. <laughs> All right, I'm curious to hear about that. Um, but again, thank you so much for um, spending some time with me. And um, I really hope we can actually meet in person at Policon this year or, you know, sometime in, in the not so distant future. Absolutely. One. Then, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and then next week, I've got uh, Ariella from Vancouver joining me. And we're going to talk about uh, some uh, photography stuff there. She has some really beautiful work. Um, I can't remember how many A's or R's her name has. I saw her pop in. I think there was like three A's. Yes. It's, it's like Ariella. Yep. Um, but her photography is beautiful and definitely worth checking out. So, you know, thank you, Kevin, for spending time with me. Thank you, everyone, for uh, rolling in. I know that uh, we had some heavy... Uh, there it is. Yeah, eight. So it's Ariella with uh, eight A's at the end. I was way off. All right. <laughs> Definitely check out check out her stuff. Excited to have a chat with her next week. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in again. Um, I appreciate and love all you guys. So, take care, Kevin. Good luck with the scan. Thank you. You too. Right, everyone, bye.